Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner Khan. The first communication should be we're still working. We're all working remotely, but we all have access to the information. And we're still here to do everything we've ever done for you. People want to be reassured. Today on episode 527 of Smashing the Plateau, I'm here with public relations and communications expert Sherry Goldman. I'm going to ask Sherry what businesses should do to communicate with their audiences when there's been a major disruption due to a crisis and much more. You can find out more about Sherry along with all of our previous episodes at smashingtheplateau.com. Right now, digital marketing is more important than ever to keep your business going. Your clients need to know you are here to help them deal with their challenges. Our friends at SiteHub have many resources to help your audience stay aware of how you can help them. Contact SiteHub today at yoursitehub.com. Now let's welcome Sherry Goldman. Sherry is the president of Goldman Communications Group, an award-winning public relations and marketing communications agency, which she started 24 years ago. Her agency offers a wide suite of services, including strategic counsel, messaging, media relations, targeting traditional social and online media, corporate communications, thought leadership programming, community and industry relations and engagement, reputation management, and crisis communications, as well as new product launches. Sherry is also an adjunct professor in public relations at LIU Post. Sherry's a good friend of mine. She's been on Smashing the Plateau and going solo before. And we recently had a conversation about the different ways that leaders have communicated during our current crisis triggered by the coronavirus pandemic. Sherry, it gives me great pleasure to welcome you back to Smashing the Plateau, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Hey, David. Thanks for having me back. Sorry under such circumstances that triggered it, though. Yeah, but I can't think of anybody more appropriate to talk about how those of us that have leadership roles in our own spheres of influence should be responding, behaving, and leading others. It certainly is a a situation or any crisis is a situation where things are exposed and how leaders lead and also how they communicate as they lead can really make or break a situation and either maintain a company or an organization's trust and reputation or permanently harm it. Absolutely. I've been watching like the email communications that I get. I'm on, I'm on lots of lists. So I see email communications as an example from my banks, from my from other financial institutions, from companies that I deal with regularly, from colleagues, from clients, and from our political leaders. And what I'm noticing is there's there's a whole range of of kinds of communications coming out. There are those that are really transparent about what's going on right now in the world is really scary. It has a huge impact. Um, there's a lot of negative consequences. There's lots of change going on. There are those that are communicating nothing whatsoever. It's a vacuum. And then there are those that are communicating the way they did six months ago as though nothing is going on. I'm thinking, guys, there's something wrong with a lot of this picture. And I'm wondering, 
you know, you're an expert in crisis communication. <laughs> what, what, what are you noticing? I, this There's is what, a this lot is, wrong with that picture. Right, That's it, exactly right. <laughs> as as a layperson, this is what I'm noticing. I'm saying, okay, Sherry, what are you noticing from our from our leaders? There's a lot of tone deaf people out there, and there's a lot of wishful thinking. First, take a step back. No matter what time, this time six months ago, three years from now. Everybody hears a message and hears about it, and it's what's in it for me. How do you understand me? And David, you and I know the best marketing and communications in any time, good times, bad times, is all about understanding the audience and who's listening and make sure your message matched that. So certainly those people that are going out with the same messages or business as usual or scouring LinkedIn now because they have plenty of times on their hands and sending you sales messages are coming off really as tone deaf and not empathetic. The best thing people can do right now is show empathy, compassion. They understand your situation. And based upon your relationship with that organization, sending you an email, that organization you're talking with, what maybe they can do to help you share how they changed their situation. I look back when this started just, oh God, two months now, but it seems like a lifetime. And stores were kind of still open somewhat. You know, you didn't know how you were going to transition and you get the emails from Banana Republic or your bank. And it says, and we're having our employees wash their hands four times a day. And we're making sure we tell them if they don't feel good, we're going to let them stay home. And you're thinking, why is Banana Republic telling me, a shopper in New York, that? Why? Because they're telling me that they want me to know that I can trust that if I buy something from them, that it's going to be safe and healthy. Now, of course, the world has fast forwarded way past that, but they're still telling me that because they're trying to maintain the trust. So they're sharing what they're doing so that you think they're a compassionate company for their employees and that they're going to be safe and protecting you, their ultimate shopper. What a bank can do is public service. We're here to help you. Maybe you can't pay your loan. Maybe you need some advice on how to reinvest or how to refinance your mortgage. So it's not selling you our rates are low. It's saying, let us help you get through this difficult time. And here are some options. We're here. Listen, we're here to help you. So clearly, for companies that want to market during this time, it's not that you you can't market, and I don't think any company or organization should go silent, but you can't go out with the same messages. You can't go out with a, I'll just pretend the world is, you know, glowing and happy. I'll pretend that people aren't struggling or their money's not less than it used to be or they're not nervous or they're now trying to homeschool their kids at the same time. You can't pretend that and expect to be a, successful, and B, to expect that they're going to, companies and audiences are going to think the same of you when this world reopens. It's going to be a changed world, and our relationship with all the organizations and people we interact with is evolving. So you need to evolve with it if you want to meet them on the other side. So I'm going to actually share one of my pet peeves that has developed over the last couple of months, and I'm really curious to know your take on this. Um, if you have one, which is banks, okay. right? Mm-hmm. People are really stressed about their finances for, for good reason. And right. ba- banks, for the most part, were not set up for their employees to work from home. 
So they, I'm guessing- And they are considered essential services. Bank employees are considered essential services. Right, and they are considered essential services. But what I've, what I've noticed is that for the, the actual storefront, like in my neighborhood, some of the banks are just closed. They're, these branches are closed permanently. Like, like not necessarily permanently forever, but right now they don't, they're not, right. they don't even have any even curtailed hours. They're just closed. Others have curtailed hours. And when you try to uh, contact the sort of their, their main switchboard, you know, the, the 800 number, there's a message that wait times are longer than necessary. Please, please understand that we're busier than usual. I realize that people probably have a greater need to be communicating with their banks than before. The banks are trying to adjust their staffing and they're probably short-staffed. And what kind of communication should they be sending for people that are scared about their financial situation if they need to be able to communicate with their bank and they're having trouble doing it? Absolutely. And banks are notorious. I went to a bank branch the other day and found that it was closed too and went to the one that was open. And I represent credit unions. So here's how banks should have communicated it. They should have, they've got your email, they've got your list. They should have sent you an email that says, you normally bank at XYZ branch due to COVID-19 situation. Here's what we're doing. We're shortening our branch hours. Here's how we're handling it. Here's a number. They should constantly post on their social media. It doesn't have to only be email, and they may not have know how to get in touch with you, but if they put a banner on their website and they direct you to their social media, and their social media says, here's the hours for this branch, here's the number to reach and leave a message, and we'll call you back in 12 hours regarding your mortgage, and here's the number to call, or here's the email to use regarding payment of your auto loan. People want to be heard. And there's a way to make people feel that you're heard while everybody is still scrambling. I think if this crisis brings anything to light, it's how unprepared people actually were. You know, companies can work from home. Some companies, I have a client that's a credit union and you know, X amount of people in the back office can work from home and the branches open shorter hours. And it's challenging that people aren't really coming into branches. So it's all mobile banking and online banking and email banking. But how you communicate that and what their plan was to communicate it to their employees, to their customers, they didn't have a plan. I mean, one of the things I did for a client a couple of years ago, which is a credit union, which we created a crisis playbook, in essence, identified 500 crises that could happen for a credit union, a bank, and pre-wrote all the communications. And that could be anything from the weather, the snowstorm's going to close the branch, to the electrical power grid is out, to the website is down, to there's a hostage situation. But when something happens, you can't scramble. You need to know to get that message out right away. And I think that's where a lot of companies failed. They weren't prepared. Nobody can prepare and say we knew COVID-19 was going to happen and we were going to have to all shelter at home. But they didn't have a plan to communicate with customers beyond for a long period of time if they were out of the office for another day or two. They didn't have the infrastructure. They didn't think about it. And they didn't have the messaging. And they left people scrambling. And social media, websites, 
Easy. Put something on the front page of your website. Easy. Post it on, say, and on your website can say, for more timely information, follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, because we'll be posting updates daily on that. You want information, you'll follow that. And that's a way to get people timely information. And clearly, a lot of organizations failed on that. Yeah. You know, it makes me think (laughs) about fire drills. You don't want to start figuring out where the fire exit is, if you, or even if you have a fire exit for the first time, when there's a raging fire. Exactly. Because the panic, you're not going to think clearly anyway, number one. And number two, it's, you don't want to go scrambling. And it's the kind of thing that companies don't want to spend time for. The first, one of the first things I ever did when I got into PR some decades and decades ago, one of my first clients was Orangina Soto. We actually wrote the press kit in case somebody got poisoned by a bottle of Orangina. Shades of how to, how to follow up on what happened to Tylenol 100, you know, 30-something years ago. But if somebody gets poisoned by something, a product that they bought on the retail shelves, or they get sick at a restaurant, or if a company right now takes credit cards, okay, and for some reason your website gets hacked or the data gets breached, you can't say, oh, my God, who should we talk to? What should we say? How do we get to the president? Because it happens Saturday afternoon. Who's going to vet this? What What do we do? People, oh, my gosh, my gosh. You need to put some time and resources into having an operational plan, which is how you're going to do business continuity. And I don't think a lot of companies did that. This is coming very evident. And then a crisis communications plan that overlays with it, just how you're going to communicate that to all of the audiences you may need to talk to. That's customers. That's prospective customers. That's your employees. That may be your sales force or 1099 people. That might be people in the industry that you work with or organizations that you belong to, the community. It might be the media or influencers. And you need to be able to kind of pull it out and then drop in a few blanks for the specifics and you're good to go. Right. Uh, which, you know, basically says effective planning will lead to good results. Um, So we talked a a little- Better results for sure, right? Yeah. (laughs) Less stress and less stress. Way less stress, way (laughs) less stress and and probably fewer screw-ups. Probably. So we talked a little bit about how big organizations should be responding to a crisis. What about small organizations? What about a solopreneur consulting business? What about something that's you know few, a team of fewer than 10 people? I think the best practices work for no matter what size company you are, okay? You've got clients, you have employees, you have a value proposition that you sell. So maybe if you're a solopreneur or a small company, an accounting firm, a law firm, and you have 10 employees and they're all able to work from home, the first communication should be, we're still working. We're all working remotely, but we all have access to the information. And we're still here to do everything we've ever done for you. People want to be reassured. Can you imagine if you sent out that message and it should come from the the head of the company? It's always great if it comes from the top of the organization. And we're here to help you. We're still doing our jobs. You can reach us through the same phone numbers and emails. We have access to it because you probably had your phone forwarded 
um, to their cell phones or however, or you have them dialing or your voice messages, you know, now come through on email so they get them in real time. So a great message is business as usual. If it's not business as usual, then you need to say that due to the, the situation and we're sheltering at home. We are working, but our hours are cut. Or if you're a restaurant, due to the laws that the governors have passed, we're hot watering, offering only delivery and takeout services. But we are here for you. Or perhaps you're closed. Then communicate that. But information is key, particularly in a crisis. And I think what people get very frustrated with is if they don't have the information or the goalpost keeps moving. I think everyone senses, well, you know, how's this going to affect me? And you tell me one thing and then, okay, you plan for that. And then, oh, it's going to affect me differently. You tell me that next week and then next week something else. So don't keep moving the goalposts if at all possible. So the messages should be consistent, accurate, but really honest. And most of all, people just want to be responded to and heard. So it's your responsibility. You may be overloaded. Even if you respond to people and go, we got your message, we'll get back to you within 24 hours because we're trying to work under these extenuating circumstances, at least people know their message did not go into the ether. And, and there's a comfort in that because it's all about maintaining your reputation and obviously your business. Yeah. What if you don't have the capacity to get back to an inquiry within 24 hours? Then set something that's realistic. And the question is, why wouldn't you? Because maybe it's just we're overloaded. You may not be able to handle that particular situation, but maybe you can have somebody just take an intake on information. Yeah, it's like I'm thinking of, you know, how the banks dealt with the um, these small business. Horribly. <laughs> the, the, particularly the bigger ones, there was nobody that you could talk to about the process whatsoever. Whether they knew the answer or didn't know the answer, you just couldn't communicate with them. But I have to think that's true in the real sense, because for the most part, you know, and I bank at Chase and I bank at TV, even before this happened, most of the time they try and direct you to an 800 number with artificial intelligence. Correct. They have truly downsized staff, so they don't want to have people. And in a time of crisis, what you realize is people need to talk to people because the situations are not necessarily cookie cutter and pre-programmed. Correct. So if they don't have, they actually don't have the people and they don't have the capacity, or if you're a small business or a consultant and you are overloaded between your own personal disruptions and your business being disrupted and trying to maintain business with your clients, you may not be able to get back to every inquiry quickly. How should you just, just respond so that the, the person who's inquiring gets some comfort that the message is being heard and will be addressed at some point? I think part of that, David, is going to depend upon what type of company it is. You know, if it's an accounting firm or a legal firm, certain things are more time sensitive than if it may be, you know, you're, you're a consultant or you're a, or something else. So I think part of it depends. But there is an expectation, unfortunately, that you're going to that the people people want to do business with people who are responsive to them. And I think everybody cuts people a little more leeway and slack in these times. But nobody wants to be dissed for two weeks because at the end of the day, when that contract with that company is over or when people get out of their homes, they will look 
for another organization to work with. So it's a risk reward and companies um, are going to have to figure out, you know, maybe they've obviously prioritized clients or, or calls based upon, you know, who the customer is. Maybe they figure out, maybe they can bring somebody on temporarily or to help do intake, but no one's going to want to work with organizations that are not going to be responsive to them long-term. Yeah. Because I know you and I have had conversations, you know, when we've seen some organizations and you're like, okay, when this is all over, we're going to explore other options. Oh, for sure. And, and yes, I think, I, <laughs> I think most people would react the same way. Yeah. No, it's, it's a reasonable expectation. A reasonable expectation is I don't expect you to drop everything for me. I know we're all going through challenging times. I want to know that I'm important. I want to know you're going to help me handle my problem. Will it be today? Will it be tomorrow? Will it be six months from now? That probably won't work for me. Help give me guidance so I know what to do so I can make better decisions. Yeah. So, so Sherry, looking forward, um, it's pretty clear we're in uncharted territory in a whole host of ways. We sure are. <laughs> what thoughts do you have about how businesses should be thinking about their communication, planning any kind of communication strategy over the next, let's say, 12 months? You know, not not just this week, but maybe the tw- next 12 months. What what should they be maybe be either be thinking about or doing differently than they've ever done before? A few things. I think the hard sell right now, you know, and and pushing stuff out on emails and just sell, 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 sell is going to have to change. I mean, messages need to be adapted. How you tell your story, your storytelling versus sales-centric messages will resonate more. How you can educate and help people, particularly service businesses, how you can help people through their processes and show that you bring that kind of value will will resonate more. And understand that, you know, th- people have different connections now. Their priorities have changed. Um, and they're not changing back. We're, we're always adapting. This is just truly like putting it on steroids. So you should still market, but it's not going to be the same. And if you're not adapting and changing, you'll probably lose out number one. Number two, it does mean when you get a chance to take a deep breath, whether you're either self-quarantined now or afterwards, you really look at how you have to, how you communicate and what your messages are with your customers and your audiences. You know, what do they think of you? How do you keep in touch with them? What are you doing to stay engaged so they want to deal with you as versus are you just selling a product and when they need that product they'll come to you and if not they won't so all of that is kind of important and then what channels are you communicating and how are you using it is it only email are you using videos are you using social media are you creating newsletters and things that maybe they can share are you using the human touch (laughs) and having someone on your staff reach out to people a couple times a year and stay connected and learn how their world has changed so that maybe you have a better product or service or or support that you can help them with. Yeah, these are really good things to think about. Sherry, if anybody wants to go deeper with anything we've discussed today, access any resources you have or get in touch with you, where is the best place to go? Great. Thanks, David. Well, our website is 
www.goldmanpr, like public relations, dot net. Um, and my email is sherry, S-H-E-R-R-Y, at goldmanpr.net. Um, go to the website or go to that email and shoot me a message to say you you heard about me talking with David on Smashing the Plateau, and I'm happy to have a conversation. Sounds good. Well, Sherry, I want to thank you so much for taking this time, especially right now, to talk about what people should be doing in the midst of all this disruption. My guest today on Smashing the Plateau has been the president of Goldman Communications Group, Sherry Goldman. Thank you, Sherry, for joining us again. Thanks for having me, David. Have a great day. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today we learned how leaders can communicate what's most important for their audiences to hear in a crisis and much more. Remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review if you can. And remember, when you support our sponsors, you help us bring Smashing the Plateau to you for free. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.